Toxic Positivity, featuring Angel Hiles. And this is Alternative Health Tools, where together we discover alternative healthcare tools and also explore integrative healing philosophies for both individuals and practitioners. Welcome back to another episode on Alternative Health Tools. I'm Lisa Victoria, your co-host from the other side of the pond in Europe in the UK. And today I'm joined by the wonderful Angel Hiles again, who's been on the show previously, to share some more insights for our listeners. And today we're talking about toxic positivity. Angel Hiles is a relational trauma coach and works in a very holistic way with her clients. And what is toxic positivity? This is a really interesting topic. You know, we've been through a lot as as human beings over the last, you know, couple of years. And indeed, we experience life all the time. And Often people say, oh, chin up or cheer up or it'll pass or, you know, come on, just be happy. And and sometimes that can add pressure to an individual on their healing journey. And what Angel wants to share with us today is around that toxic positivity. There's nothing wrong with positivity, but it's understanding people's own healing journeys and allowing them to experience their own healing journey. And, and then if, if we push them too quickly or if we push ourselves too quickly through that healing journey, how that can kind of be quite harmful. So we're going to talk about some tips and tools today. So welcome, Angel, to another episode. And thank you for rejoining us to share all your wisdom with our listeners. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. More than happy to be here. And for our listeners who haven't um, listened to your previous episode, and we talked about trauma in the last episode, it was a couple of episodes ago. Would you like to just share a little bit about your work and how you got into this line of work and why you're passionate about, you know, sharing with the world um, the importance of toxic positivity? Yes, last time we spoke, we were talking about attachment trauma. But going back a little bit to share, you know, what brought me to this work is my own personal history with different types of trauma and one being attachment and developmental and just how it played, how it showed up in my life throughout my lifespan always searching and searching and find myself repeating these self-defeating behaviors over and over again and leading to more guilt and shame. And this very topic is very personal because I struggled, like I think many people do, with understanding emotions and knowing the difference between thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And when we have these unpleasant experiences, if we were never taught, one, it's okay to experience them and to voice them and rather than oh or you know when they're dismissed and invalidated then we continue to just think oh i have to deal with this and so we search for ways to cope and most often it turns out that our behaviors when we're trying to adapt and cope turn out to be unhelpful habits that we create for ourselves so that led me to a life of painful consequences which we'll get into that later but um you know, when we do allow ourselves to experience the pain fully, that can lead to change and growth. And that's how it's you know, a beautiful thing that we have these pleasant emotions and unpleasant emotions, right? It's all about that balance. But since I have grown and healed and experienced the joy of growth and moving through that pain, the joy and the love and all these beautiful things I'm experiencing now and free of that toxic shame that I carried with me forever. So it's very freeing to allow yourself to experience what you really are experiencing. 
Amazing. Answer your question. It does beautifully. Thank you. You you talk about toxic shame. Tell us a little bit more about toxic shame, how that can feel and how that can impact on our lives. Toxic shame. It is felt deeply. Like it's believing that you are not good enough, right? Believing that you are bad at your core, right? It's different from you know, feeling bad, like appropriate guilt over some of the things you've done, but knowing that you are still a worthy person. So toxic shame is just inherently feeling and believing that you are not a good person, right? That you're not lovable. And it can be felt like it's very heavy, right? That we just carry this around. And a lot of the time, so this is beneath people's awareness. So they're not knowing that they're in this shame nor are they connected with their bodies, as we've talked about with trauma, how it disconnects us from that because we are surviving and don't know it, right? We're just stuck in that survival state, which is not in the present moment or not truly making these conscious decisions in the in the now. It's just, I'm adapting. I'm in this automatic state that I've learned and programmed myself to be in. And it's, you know, very repetitive. So are we saying there's maybe some avoidance going on there? So we're not able to heal properly and move into that joyful state that you've just described that you now experience after your own healing journey. Yes. Oh my goodness. Avoidance is key when we're struggling with shame, right? Because we want to keep things in secret, right? Because shame is fear of being seen, fear of, you know, criticism and being rejected. Right. And so we, keep things in the dark and nothing can squash shame faster than bringing it to the light. But, mm. you know, it's, it's just a very scary thing and we hold on to it because we don't believe anything different. And yeah. essentially I just want to add, so when it comes to healthy esteem, so there's a relational grid by Terry real Google searches, we'll pull it up just fine, but it's a wonderful tool to be looking at a healthy self and healthy relationships. So the vertical line is about self-esteem, right? And so nobody's better, nobody's worse, right? We're all the same. But if we think we're better than, right, we move up into that grandiosity state where we're looking down on people. And then the shame piece, when we are looking down on ourselves, right, feeling less than, that's that shame, that toxic shame, if it's always there. But what they have in common is contempt. It's the same feeling. It's just one turned outward. So when we hold other people in contempt, we become grandiose. And when we hold ourselves in contempt, we have shame. So it's very common that people jump back and forth because it feels very yucky and Mm -hmm. painful to be in shame. But when I jump up and start condemning you and judging you, that helps me feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to bring that down into knowing that I can have compassion for myself and others and acceptance, right? Rather than I have to judge you or I have to judge myself to feel good about me. And now I'm picking up on that word compassion there because that's really what helps connect us all, isn't it? It's having compassion for another human being. We don't know what their story is. We don't know what they're dealing with. And when we're either looking down on ourselves or looking down on others, it's almost that comparison coming in, isn't it? It's comparing And how can we possibly compare ourselves to another human being who've walked completely different paths in life? 
You are so right. And we all do it. It's a natural, you know, human thing that we do compare, but it is so unhelpful, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're right. No, we don't know any anyone's internal experience or their story. And we're all uniquely made and different. Mm -hmm. So it's just when we compare, it's just extremely unhelpful, but it's one of the main distortions that we we do. So when we're talking about people um, and toxic positivity, so if any of our listeners out there are thinking, you know, I'm trying to be positive at the minute, but I'm struggling because an event's happened in my life and it's been quite a big traumatic event. One of the things you said off air was allowing someone to be in their discomfort. So it's okay to not feel okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And quite honestly, that's where it can be harmful Again, if anybody is listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I've done this. It's okay. It's okay. Don't attack yourself, right? It's okay. Now I'm welcoming that I'm learning this information. So next time I can try to not do it, right? And again, this is where we're gentle with ourselves to be growing and learning and trying to make new decisions. So if a person went through a traumatic experience or a loss, right, that situation, of course, is going to be painful. How could we expect somebody to be happy when they just lost the love of their life or their child or um, or their house just got annihilated by a natural disaster or, you know, things that are of magnitude or maybe even we talked about before that a traumatic experience may not seem traumatic to someone else. Mm. Doesn't mean it's not, you know, so a divorce or a medical procedure or hitting an animal by accident in the car, you know, anything of the sort that some people may just want to dismiss. It's just being able to say, well, of course, I can imagine that would be a painful thing. My goodness, you know, tell me about it. You know, let me listen to your pain. You know, I'm here for you. And just validate that that is a painful experience or sure you're angry about that. That was wrong, right? Like it's, joining them in that. And we don't need to change it. We don't need to swoop in and fix it. Um, It's just allowing it to be. Yeah. I like that. And people, from my observation, we all heal at different rates. And, And like you say, we all, we all relate to events in a different way. So what might be traumatic for one person, another person might move quite quickly through that healing journey where it might take somebody else longer time to process it Mm -hmm. and what you're saying is just just have that compassion for them kind of hold that space for them and meet them where they're at so if if someone's experiencing that in your circle it's not about trying to fix them like you say it's about Mm -hmm. just holding that space for them exactly and I know we're, we're kind of saving tips for the end but you know in those moments you can speak positively to them, mm-hmm. but we don't want to expect a person in pain to be positive. It's what can I do to help? I'm listening. You know, do what, what would you like to do? You know, it's not I need to change your feeling, your experience, but I'm here to help in whatever yes. way I may. Yeah. If you just need me to listen, that's exactly what I'll do. Do you want to go get coffee? You know, whatever it is, but it's not fixing that, like, hey, buck up, like you said, it's hey. That's right. Let's cry together. Let's mm. color together. You know. I think when when you're you're saying these things, I'm thinking back to my own personal experiences. Experiences, and I think just knowing someone's there, even if they're not speaking, 
it, it's that connection, it's that energy, it's that support, isn't it? To know that someone's holding that space for you and not trying to push you to do anything or force you to do anything you're not comfortable with, but you feel comforted and supported. Yes, it's beautifully stated. Mm. Exactly, exactly. There's power in that connection, right? And hence the relational piece and building that security. And that's how we do that, by hearing people, by seeing their pain, by helping them soothe. And nothing works better than that act, right? Like when we are regulated, when we hold the space, when two people share energy in an authentic way, that helps soothe a person in a very powerful way. Just the presence alone. I think that, I think that's really quite powerful, isn't it? And I'm thinking on the the other side, if a person's experiencing trauma or grief and they're afraid to ask for that help because they might think that, oh, well, that person can't help me because they're not skilled. You don't need them to help. You just need them to be there for you. And it's okay to ask someone to be there for you. It's okay to put your hand up and say, I'm struggling is what I'm hearing from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and I think sometimes if another person is making an assumption, you know, or we think they're right, they're not equipped or I'm, I'm a burden or something of the sort that we've learned somewhere in our family system or society sends these messages out or wherever it's learned from that doing that is not welcomed or it's scared or scarier um, that it won't be received or the other person doesn't know what to do with. So there may be a person out there that doesn't know how to handle their own emotions. So therefore that person may not be able to receive it well. And that's okay if we recognize that, then that wouldn't be the person, but it's more of their internal Mm -hmm. experience, not a reflection of the person that needs help. So I don't want anybody to get discouraged if they do reach out and have that experience because, you know, it does take another person to be regulated within their own selves to be a person that is able to do something like this. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And a couple of words I picked up on there, it's about receiving and being good at receiving. And also that word burden. It actually came up today when I was coaching a patient and she said a couple of times, I I don't want to be a burden on my family. Why wouldn't you allow them to be there for you? Why do you feel that you're a burden on them? And it's flipping that thought, isn't it? To, I want to help others, yet I'm not good at receiving help myself and why deny someone the opportunity to help you and if we don't ask we don't know and I think that word burden it's funny that it came up today in conversation but yet we are we we seldom think that other people are burdening us with their problems yet Mm -hmm. we think we're burdening other people with our problems and you know and where does that belief come from right and essentially that's kind of going back to toxic positivity when we repress our own needs, our own feelings, and we don't allow ourselves that space and compassion for that experience. We tend to think our needs aren't aren't important, and you know, invalidating ourselves. And typically, sometimes in those roles, a person has assigned their own value or their worth to being needed, right? To providing for others and disregard 
their needs and wants. And mm. that will lead to most likely, you know, some negative experiences, right? Because if if we're not loving and accepting ourselves and nurturing ourselves and honoring our own experiences, it's going to lead to anxiety, depression, you know, maybe acting out or anything of the sort because we're not being true to ourselves. Yeah. And we can't give from an empty cup, can we? Oh, absolutely. It is, that can't be said enough. We have to, and I don't think people appreciate that message as much as we could because we were just accustomed to go, 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 do, do, do. And I think we may may have touched on that also last time that, you know, being is very powerful when we just slow it down and know that that can be very helpful and soothing and healing and more productive when we are more present and slowing the pace rather than distraction and overloading and, you know, just overwhelming our system. Right. And we often, well, I often see that and I'm sure you do with, with your clients as well is, you know, when, when we're not slowing down and we're not present and we're in that do, do, do state, that's when that toxic positivity kicks in, isn't it? Because we're trying to be positive. We're trying to keep going. Right. And validating our real experience. I'm tired. (laughs) I'm exhausted. It's like, actually, I can be headstrong. I can keep going. And it's like, actually, your body's telling you to rest. And you talk about, you know, losing, you know, being disconnected from from your body. And and often our body's giving us feedback. And that toxic positivity is, I've got to be the strong one. I've got to keep going. And our cup's getting emptier and emptier. And we're avoiding and ignoring those signals from our body. And you talk about misbeliefs and being less of a person. What what have you seen with your, obviously on your, your client journeys, what have you seen the shifts in people from their misbeliefs of being less of a person and then growing through that journey? Can you just talk a little bit more about those misbeliefs and being less of a person? Sure. Once a person experiences or when I start talking about self-compassion and explaining healthy esteem, right, and, and really normalize these human experiences, you know, what makes us human is the ability to have emotions. Mm-hmm. And again, pleasant or unpleasant. And it doesn't make us good or bad, right? It's they're just feelings. And when we learn to shift our relationship with feelings, that they can be seen as information. Right? It's feedback. And I think you mentioned that last time too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be so scary. But what we interpret from our experiences, you know, can incite that anxiety or even feed the depression, right? That um, we tend to think feelings are facts, right? Or these experiences mean this rather than I'm just having this experience and perhaps, you know, what is this trying to inform me of? So again, with the self-compassion piece, when a person is able to receive the information to say, oh, I am attacking myself or, oh, that is from that person's belief or that, oh, that's my mom's voice or, you know, that's society's view that I took in. You know, and they're starting to see that, no, that doesn't feel right to me. And, oh, I see where I'm attacking myself in that. And when they shift it to say, I am worthy, I am a good person, despite having 
these breakups or despite, you know, having done this or failed at that, you know, it's, you can see the shift within them and the light turn on where they feel empowered and, and they can feel their worth. And when you start seeing them believe in their worth, they make huge strides and quick ones, right? That, you know, there's starting to make minor adjustments, even though they're big adjustments, right? Like, so just the work of boundaries and really accepting and loving themselves. So back to not forcing anything, it's just, they learn how to observe, you know, okay, I'm having this experience. They recognize when their trauma is activated, right? That when I'm in my stress response, this is what it, okay, I know this is happening. You know, they really start building self-confidence because they know what it is. They know how to shut it off and then just, you know, observe the now and make a new decision. And each time they do that, they they share how empowering it is, right? Like, oh, that felt so good. Like, wow, I'm really seeing. And now that I'm implementing these boundaries, I notice my mom is being kinder or, you know, she's respecting that I don't want her to say mean things or, you know, people respond well to it. So it really creates momentum quickly when, once it's applied. And, and what, what you're saying there is change begins on the inside and then things happen on the outside as well. So maybe boundaries are created and people start treating you differently because a change has shifted on the inside when you say I'm worthy and picking up on two things you said there, you know, you said feelings are fact if people have that belief that feelings are fact and then you said something else it's it's an just an experience Mm -hmm. and experiences pass and feelings pass Mm -hmm. they're not fact they're not that they don't define us do they they don't define our worth and mean we're less of a person just because an experience has happened to us good or bad and uh, what wonderful insights you just shared. Thank you so much. Beautiful. You're very welcome. That's right. And what stuck with me when I learned what you just said, um, so emotion, right? Motion is built into the word. So it's flowing, right? We, yes. it, can la- it seems like it can last an eternity, but they do pass. And feeling them, honoring them, allow them to pass much sooner than acting like they're not there or trying to distract ourselves and it's just, okay, this is it. I feel horrible, right? I feel defeated. I feel humiliated. I feel shame. You know, some of these things are very physically painful to experience. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to honor that and and allow the listeners to know it's okay. Like, I, I we understand it. I've been there too of how awful it feels. And I think sometimes we think people don't understand how scary it is, how real it is. And it is, it is just that if people haven't been through any traumas or haven't experienced toxic shame and just really not liking themselves, they don't understand the thinking that can come with that kind of emotional pain as well as the behaviors, right? Like when we act out and a lot of these behaviors go against our values or morals, which then leads to more guilt and shame. You can really get stuck in that cycle mm. of toxic shame, right? Because I'm thinking I'm less than, I'm not worthy. Right? And therefore I feel 
depressed or, you know, awful, shameful. And so in that space, I'm looking for relief, but in the relief I'm looking for, my behaviors aren't helpful ones, right? So it reinforces, it's that self-fulfilling prophecy that will reinforce the negative false belief of I'm not worthy. Wow. <laughs> so, so many wonderful things there. And I'm, I'm, I'm still going back to that word motion, emotion mm-hmm. and motion and being stuck in that cycle of, you know, toxic shame or toxic positivity. And actually what we want to do is create that motion, don't we, through the different emotions and, and move through that journey so that can pass. So we're not stuck on that loop, that's stuck on that cycle that some people get stuck on because that's that's what their values and beliefs have, have been either shown to them, taught to them, like you say, from society or that was mum's voice. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you said is that that doesn't feel right. That's mum's voice and that doesn't feel right. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier, doesn't it, about that mind-body connection, getting connected with your body. We feel it in our bodies if we listen. Mm, yes, yes. And I think it, it's okay for our listeners out there to feel it and say, this doesn't belong to me. This this might be somebody else's that I've just taken on board. And actually, how can they then move through those motions? And and that's that's them allowing that space for themselves, isn't it, to go on their journey? Yes, yes. And ways to release those energies, you know, so let's talk about that. You know, when we do identify, I don't think this is mine, right? Like, this just doesn't feel like mine. And even if you don't know whose it is, if you know it doesn't feel right and you want to get rid of it, right? You can do that in a number of ways. Sometimes it's just simple journaling, of course, the act of writing Mm -hmm. things out. It's a safer way sometimes than verbalizing it to somebody. So you can say whatever you need to say in the privacy of your own journal taking a walk, especially Mm. in nature. We know studies are growing about the benefits of nature and that's very real. So getting out in nature, always walking, moving the body, moving the body always releases, discharges that traumatic energy we talked about or it'll move it. Yes. Taking a shower, you know, water even, right? Drinking water, you know, hydrating, um, just changing the state of yourself, right? So that can be through singing even, right? Activating our, our throat for sure, mm. gargling. I'm thinking about the water. It's very cleansing, isn't it? The water, yeah. that's what I think of when you're talking about taking a shower, taking a drink, I'm feeling external mm-hmm. and internal cleansing. Mm-hmm. And the throat, the throat energy, that's that's our voice, isn't it? That's expressing mm-hmm. ourselves, whether that's through singing or whether that's through, you know, I don't know, chanting. Some people like chanting. Some people express in different ways, don't they? That's exactly right. So, and you said earlier, finding their way. So Mm. everybody's way is different. And it is trying something on. Maybe you notice, oh, I I like using water as an outlet. Or, you know, I like singing. Oh, I like to write music. Or, you know, I like to color. Or um, whatever it is. Some people are gifted at art. So, you know, maybe it is writing stories. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be talking to somebody, being with somebody in the dog, you know, being with your animals and just really petting, you know, being present. And it's anything that's soothing and really calming the nervous system is what we're after to allow. So we always identify and acknowledge what we're feeling. 
and then being able to release it. So you've got to name it to tame it. I like that. Name it to tame it. What a great <laughs> tip. <laughs> yes. Oh, some wonderful tips there. And I think, I think innately people know what's good for them when we go back to it. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're, when we're in that state, and I'm thinking back to my own kind of healing journey, when I was in that state and I didn't know what to do, I was thinking I didn't know what to do. But when I started feeling it, I really felt like I knew what to do. I knew I loved dancing. I knew I loved listening to my favorite songs on the music. I knew I loved walking in nature. And what you said there is there's no right or wrong. People are different. That's right. If we can move away from exactly that labeling something, you know, right or wrong. Like, I I know that's important. I'm not trying to dismiss, like, of course, we have laws and, you know, right and wrong. But it's been my experience and what I've seen with clients that we get hung up on fearing that judgment. If I did this and you know, that, that was wrong. And so it brings fear to try again, or it keeps us from doing something that we, you know, when we're dealing with uncertainty and wanting to try new, we just stay still. But again, that experience inside is telling us, nudging us that, there is something, you know, like I want to relocate or, you know, my family says X, Y, Z, or, you know, I'm scared. It's scary. But so when you're not listening that, you know, you want to relocate and you give in because of fear or other people's desires and wants. So that's that resistance that somebody's still going to be able to feel in their bodies and, and know. But when we make those decisions out of more uh, obligated energy, or fear, right? So again, that's you know not ours, right? Like that's not being true and listening to the internal experience. Amazing, and and you said earlier as well, didn't you? Being authentic, and that's being mm-hmm. true to ourselves. And you mentioned about two people coming together and being authentic together, and that compassion and that connection. And we just know, don't we, when we slow down, what feels right and we talked earlier about not having to fix people but holding that space for them so it's great to make suggestions when people are in that lull and maybe remind them of all the things that they love and things that they enjoy whether that's taking a walk or whether that's listening to music it comes back to holding that space for them doesn't it and letting that person move through that journey themselves because even though they love music it might not be the right time for them to reconnect with the music it's beautiful right and offering again when we're at when we're asking you know how do you want me to help you or what do you need from me you know it's just asking that i can just sit with you but when we're asking that of how can i show up for you and then we listen so if it is just sit there great if they're asking i don't know how to cope with this then you can offer well what works for me when i'm struggling you know, when I'm in a painful situation is I like to take a walk. Do you want to take a walk? You know, mm-hmm. so it's not like I'm, I'm forcing you to feel better or feel positive, but this is what I do to cope with these challenging emotions. So it's offering a guide guidance and inviting them mm-hmm. to see if they want to take that as well. Mm-hmm. Asking permission yeah. is a powerful tool. Yes. Right? Yeah. Very yeah. respectful of other people's boundaries and, you know, when we ask how, how, what, you know, just offering, but not imposing and making statements and 
just beautiful opening our hearts yeah and not being the fixers yes boy is that a hard one yeah (laughs) we we want to help people and especially empaths out there we want to help people don't we and it's about you know that individual often knows best what's going to help them and like you say some powerful questions and some active listening can go a really long way to shift someone on their journey and give them that breakthrough mm-hmm. quicker than if you're trying to fix them and tell them what to do yes yes Lisa. <laughs> that's it you know and i'll just end with um not trying to end but just know if we're wrapping up that um when you think about like when you're a kid or anytime, even now as an adult, like how do you, what kind of reaction do you have internally if we sense somebody is trying to impose their will on us or, you know, tell us what to do or tell us how to feel or invalidates, you know, how do you experience that? Like typically we don't like it very much. So if we can recall that, you know, and really, you know, a great, Empathy practice is if I say this or ask this, you know, if I do this, how is the other person going to feel? Like, what, how is it going to be received? And that just helps us kind of have pause and, and know if it's going to be helpful, right? If, if somebody said that to me, if somebody does this to me, you know, am I going <laughs> to receive that well? Yeah. So that might be yeah. a helpful tool too. That's a really helpful tip. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Oh, wow. Wow. Allowing space for healing, I think, is what is coming through. And also that mind-body connection, isn't it? Feeling. You've mentioned the word feeling quite a lot today. And I love that emotion moving into motion. I think that's wonderful. Really magical. Yes, it is magical. And and I just believe it's not, I think now we're seeing more talk about it, but it hasn't been taught enough. And there are a lot of techniques out there now that are moving toward emotion focused and, you know, DBT, emotion focused therapy, tapping, you know, lots of things that are helpful, especially with trauma or anxiety. But we, again, we weren't typically taught how to handle emotions, right? Or we don't know what we are feeling as I know we're summarizing here. Um, When we have experiences or trauma and things of that nature that disconnect us from ourselves, or we haven't grown up in an environment that was encouraging to be like, oh, you know, it's okay to feel, so you're angry, you know, of course, and let's talk about that. Or, you know, rather than go to your room, you know, go to your room and cry, come out when you're done, Um, you know, be seen, not heard, or some of these messages that can be subconsciously communicated through the family systems, you know, then we just don't give ourselves these permissions to, um, experience things fully and to feel good about feeling them. Right? Mm. We just tend to think I have to be this way. I have to be that way. And, and it just perpetuates yeah. into our adult lives and then can create havoc sometimes. So this is just a very personal, I guess, you know, journey and topic of mine mm. because of those reasons. Amazing. And thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing your journey and your experiences as to how it's it's helped you and why you're so passionate about it. Because I think it just inspires others. It certainly inspired me and I'm sure it's inspired our listeners out there. Well, I hope so. That is the goal, right? I definitely want people to know that they are worth it and there is hope. And 
as I said before, I hope they choose to honor themselves and to take that leap of faith, to find the help, the assistance, you know, encouragement to learn how to cope with difficult feelings or situations and to know they're not alone and to know that they can feel better. Amazing. Amazing. What a beautiful way to wrap up and circle back to toxic positivity. It's it's not having to be happy all the time. It's not having to be positive all the time. It's just their feelings that you're experiencing. We do have to feel it, though. we got to feel it to go through it. Yeah. And that's the healing journey, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Angel, is there anything else you wanted to leave our listeners with today? Well, I just want to, again, say thank you for sh- most definitely for having me. I love talking about these things and I'm, I just wish everyone well and Mm -hmm. truly hope that everybody gets to experience the natural state that we're created to have, which is peace and love and joy and feeling connected to one another. Mm -hmm. So if I can be of assistance, I more than welcome people to reach out. If not, I can try to provide resources, but I just want everybody to know that it can be done. I'm living Mm -hmm. proof of that as well as you and many others that come from, you know, painful, oh, I don't know your story, but, you know, have painful backgrounds or have overcome strongholds and now experiencing relief. So I just love promoting hope and joy and um, encouragement. And I am going to be putting together a wellness retreat I don't know exactly when, but in the relatively near future, you know, mind-body practices, as we've talked about, you know, holistic. So we're going to learn about how to create well-being and there will be mindfulness, you know, meditation, sound healing, um, body movements, mm-hmm. breath work, and just space to connect for this very reason. Sounds absolutely beautiful. And if I could fly over, I'd be there in a heartbeat to join you and connect with that wonderful energy and all the wonderful people that are going to be joining you. And um, I think people are in need of that restoration and that rejuvenation right now. So definitely, 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 if you're feeling like you, you need some kind of peace and calm and hope and joy in your life and move away from trying to pretend to be happy all the time or the busyness of life, then definitely go to Angel's website. It's angelhiles.com and you will see when her wellness retreat is coming out. And of course, if you wanted to get in contact with Angel and work with her, she's she's an angel. She sat in front of me, always smiling, always beautiful. And I can feel the energy over over the computer. It's um, it's a, it's funny, isn't it? We can be, you know, disconnected by miles and miles across the water, but actually there's a true connection when you talk to someone who's authentic and genuine. So thank you for showing up for our listeners today. We really appreciate you and your time. Thank you so very much. Likewise, I'm, it's my honor. Thank you. Amazing. So there's another episode of Alternative Health Tools on toxic positivity. And just know that wherever you're at on your journey, you're okay. I'm Lisa Victoria, your co-host from Across the Pond. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, 